Today is Trinity Sunday, one of the most terrifying Sundays to be a preacher because it's very easy to get this wrong. The Trinity, the greatest mystery of all time, the Godhead, the Lord, being one God, three persons, three distinct persons not to be combined with the other, which means that the Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Father, the Holy Spirit is neither the two, and yet the three are unified into complete and total unity, making them one inseparable God. It's a very, very mysterious concept, one that has actually bothered and kind of, kind of baffled the mind of people for so long. Get a greatest story of this is one of my friends back in seminary, back at Mount St. Mary's, he was teaching an elementary school class all about the Trinity. He was going through all the ins and outs of the Trinity, you know, the, you know, the Father, the Son, how they love each other, this, that, and the other. And the students were just utterly confused. They had no idea what was going on. And they were like yelling at him and screaming at him and saying, I don't get this and I don't get that. And he's saying it's a mystery and they're getting even more frustrated. And at that moment, in their time of frustration, one girl screamed at the top of her lungs a great prayer from her heart. She said, Lord, why did you have to make things so complicated? <laughs> and I think she has a very valid point. She was speaking from the heart. This is a complicated matter, something that you and I can never, ever fully comprehend, something that can never, ever be kind of understood by our lowly human minds. But that's a good thing. Because the alternative, the alternative to the Trinity is absolutely terrifying. If we don't have the Trinity, guys, you and I are in some big trouble. And here's why. For centuries, long before there was ever Judaism or anything like that, there was mythology also known as polytheism. I think we've all heard of polytheism. Basically the idea that there's a bunch of gods everywhere. So you know every tree has a little wood nymph in it, every river has like a little river god, and you know there's like nymphs and, and like gods all over the place, and there's like Zeus who like lived up in heaven and did all kind of terrible things to the goddesses, and it's all, it's just wild. But the thing about polytheism is that it was kind of cool. Polytheism, and what it meant to have polytheism and a bunch of gods around, is that we, and I, we were all part of kind of a big divine community. We were all big, one happy, dysfunctional family. It was delightful. That's at least the idea of polytheism. But the problem with polytheism, the problem with the idea of having gods everywhere, is that nobody's really in control. I mean, look at Greek mythology. Zeus is allegedly the king, but he's not the boss. Hera's the boss. And then if you look at Hera, you realize, okay, really, she's not really in charge. The fates are in charge. And then you look at the fates and you realize they're not in charge. And then it's just one giant dysfunctional mess, as I said earlier. But my point being is that's what polytheism is. Polytheism robs us of an infinite God. Someone who's all-powerful. Someone who's actually in charge. And so cultures kind of compensated for this. You know, one great example of the culture is the Eastern cultures. One of the notable parts about the Eastern cultures, they adopted something called Taoism, or kind of this idea that God was like a big, like embracing, like, I don't know, floating blob. And that you and I were kind of floating in the floating God blob. 
And that if we really want to become fulfilled, we've got to annihilate ourselves. That's the principle of Buddhism, nirvana. Completely destroy yourself and blend in with the giant god blob. It's quite an interesting concept. But the problem with that, even though there is an infinite God, is that there's no adventure. I don't know about you, but I don't want to just be floating in a giant God blob. I want to go out and have some fun. I want to, I want to party. I want to go on an adventure. I want to go do stuff. I don't want to just have to sit in a cell all day and try not to think to myself, not to think about myself, not to think about it. That'd be horrible. Wouldn't you agree? Anyway, maybe, I, maybe it's just me. That's just, I have a feeling that I, that, I, uh, that I speak for many of us here. Maybe not all of us, but many of us. And so then, if we look at it a little bit deeper, there's another approach to the problem, the problem of God. And that is monotheism. Monotheism. Now, everybody says Christians are monotheists. And yes, it is true. Monotheism, one God. Plain and simple. But the problem is there's different, I don't want to say like flavors of monotheism. One of which being Islam. Islam is a, basically a religion that is purely monotheistic. And what they believe is God is a strict, tightly bound unity. That's it and that's all. One God. And they emphasize that a lot. It's quite fascinating. Well, the problem with this is not that there's like, is, is not the fact that there's just one God. I mean, we believe that. But the fact that God is way up there and we're way down here. One of the things that I'm always, uh, that, that, you know, every now and again, I'll, I'll get in airplanes and like go somewhere. Well, every now and again, and this is, oh, this is always makes for a good time. I sit next to a Muslim and they love me because I'm like, you know, in, in clerics and all this. And so, you know, they love to talk religion with me. They're very passionate individuals. But one of the things we all, we haven't often had very civil conversations and whatnot, but one thing that they often tell me, actually come to think of it, every Muslim has told me this very clearly, very seriously. God does not have a son. God does not have a son. Which I find to be very, it, it explains very much the division between the God of, the, of Islam, who's way up here, and us. See, what Islam kind of points out whenever they emphasize this strong unity of God, it's saying that he has no son, saying that there was no son to come down and become one of us. There was no son to sanctify us. There was no son to walk with us. There was no son to die for us. Is that it leaves God all alone in the sky and us all alone on earth. It leaves us orphans without any, anybody to turn to. And all we're left to do is submit to God. That's something that directly defies Christianity. In Christianity, we see in the Trinitarian Godhead, we see in the Lord, that God definitely does have a son. But that's not the end of the story. Whenever Jesus Christ took on flesh, he gave us the gift of baptism. And St. Paul to the Romans says exactly in a very brief sentence what baptism does for us. He says that those who are led by the Spirit of God, those who have been baptized, are sons of God. Those who have been led by the Spirit of God are sons of God, which means there isn't a great divide between you and, and God. There is not a great chasm of difference between God up there and us down here. But rather what we're looking at is looking at an opportunity for us to go to God, to be divinized with God, to be one with God. Something that isn't necessarily seen in any other monotheistic religion because no other monotheistic religion shares the Trinity. 
But there's something else that I find fascinating about the other monotheistic religions versus ours. If God is just one person in the sky, as many other monotheistic faiths believe, secularism, Islam, to some extent Judaism, then what God is fundamentally is a lonely God. He has no one to share his company with. He has no one to be with. He has no one to interact with, except for us, which is actually quite terrifying because we'll never, ever, ever be able to reach his expectations, making him a kind of codependent father. Something that, for me, absolutely is utterly terrifying. I couldn't imagine that. And yet, what we see in the Trinitarian Godhead is that God is not a lonely God, but God is a self-sufficient God. And that's why you and I can look at God and utter the words that St. John uttered whenever he described God. What he said was something so profound, something that's never been said before, something that we often take and just kind of ignore it. Don't, don't really let it set in. But it's something that can only possibly be said because of the Trinity. And this is what he says. God is love. God is love. He doesn't have love. He is love. That's the beauty of God. The Father loves the Son. The Son loves the Father. And the Holy Spirit is a person of love between the Father and the Son. Making God completely and totally self-sufficient. Not codependent upon us. Not trying to rule over us. Not trying to beat us down. But if anything, what he's trying to do is invite us to the party. Is invite us into the Godhead. Is inviting us and welcome to be in communion with him. Guys, for a monotheistic God who only consists of one person... There is zero room in God for us. We have no place in him because there's no room. But in a trinity, guys, you and I have the opportunity to join with him, to be united to him and become like God. Something totally unforeseen, something totally ungrasped, something that no other faith can, can proclaim. Something that no other faith can declare. That you and I are destined Destined for something so much greater than what we have now. Destined to be divinized and become not persons of the Trinity, because those are only three, but persons in the Trinity. People united to God in heaven. People being with God in heaven. And that's why it's so beautiful that you and I can be called sons of God by our baptism. This command that Jesus gave to his disciples is not, a, is not an angry command. It's not, a, it's, not a, it's not a master to slave. Go out and declare all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's, not an, it's nothing angry. What it is, is an invitation. It's an invitation to a banquet, a wedding feast, something that's far greater than any of our expectations could possibly be. Why? Because God is a trinity. And within a trinity, there is room, room for you and room for me to stay there for the rest of eternity so that our hearts might be fulfilled and we might live there forever. That's why things are so complicated. That's why it's such a difficult thing to understand, because the reality is, even though we might not be able to understand in our heads, the flat, the flat reality is because God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, our hearts can be at peace. Because whenever we look at God, we see somebody who is completely self-sufficient, 
completely good on his own, and yet loves us to the very end. May we honor that invitation. May we honor that desire of the Lord to make us his sons and live out that unbelievable truth. Always by remembering that he is there surrounding us in his infinite love and in his three persons. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.